0: Welcome back to the podcast. This is your host, Ryan Kennedy. And today I have a very special interview talking about what I would consider to be one of the most underrated vitamins in human nutrition, and that is vitamin E. One of my foundational mentors is a naturopath named David Getoff. And he was one of the first people I had ever heard even discuss vitamin E. You know, everyone talks about vitamin C and vitamin D3 and uh, B complex and no one's talking about vitamin E. And he, he really taught me a lot about it, you know, and outlined the differences between tocopherols and tocotrienols and how to optimize your intake through high quality supplementation. And the important role vitamin E plays as a way to prevent uh, fats from oxidizing as they circulate through our system, because it's a powerful fat soluble antioxidant. And then he also taught me about the importance it plays just in your cardiovascular system and longevity and all sorts of anti-cancer benefits. And so I've been deep into vitamin E. I've been recommending it to a lot of patients I work with for years now. And in today's episode, I'm interviewing Dr. Barry Tan, who is a scientist, and he is regarded as the world's foremost expert on vitamin E. So I've invited him on the show today to talk about the role vitamin E plays in human longevity. And two nutrients that are derived from the annatto plant, tocotrienol and GG, which we're going to get into. Most people have never heard of this second one. It has a long name. I'm abbreviating it GG. Uh, But both of these really help with healthy aging, and they contain a lot of anti-inflammatory benefits, among other benefits. So, Dr. Berry, welcome to the show, man.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. I know your followers follow you for a long time. So I hope that I'll do justice and answer the questions and give the information uh, to the audience of your broadcast listening to. Thank you. I know
0: you will, dude. So so I'd like to start by giving people listening in, uh, outlining the differences between tocopherols and tocotrienols, which are two separate components to the vitamin E complex. Because most people, when they hear vitamin E, they'll see it on like a multivitamin label. And usually the multivitamins will only have alpha-tocopherol. That's the only thing from my understanding, the FDA counts as vitamin E on a, on a label, even though tocopherols have alpha, uh, delta, gamma, they have all subtypes. And then you also have the whole other side of the complex, you almost never hear about the tocotrienols. And so I wanna give people an overview, uh, uh, just an understanding of what,
1: what this all looks like. Yeah, and then this is probably a perfect time because exactly 100 years ago, 1922, vitamin E was discovered. It was discovered in UC Berkeley by two pediatricians, and most of the audience, our audience may or may not know, (coughs) alpha-tocopher became a vitamin simply because it is required uh, for the fetal growth. It's bringing a fetus to full term. Most people today know vitamin E as an antioxidant, and that is all good, but it was known as a vitamin because of that. At the time, uh, tocopherol uh, was not connected to tocotrinol. I'm just giving you a very brief snapshot how the development of tocotrinol and tocotrina and then split them like that for your question. Perfect. That was in 1922. And then about 40 years later, they found something uh, by by the time uh, uh, 20 years, of uh, 20, 30 years after, they were able to find out alpha beta delta gamma tocopherol. Then they found out something that almost a little shadowy compound when they did on chromatography at the time, they thought that it's so similar to tocopherol, they actually erroneously mislabeled them. So if you look at old literature, you will see besides the four Greek letter alpha, beta, delta, gamma, tocopherol, you will also see nu, epsilon, zeta, and phi, phi. Like that, those tocopherol that they call, they are actually happen to be alpha, beta, delta, gamma, tocotrienol, like that. So, so therefore, the audience, if you uh, capture this, it's almost as if that if somebody did not persist to study this vitamin E, it will be lost in translation. It will be a second runt uh, of a uh, of a birth that never going to happen. That came out in 1960. <clears throat> So 1920, 1960 for discovery, then another 20 years would have lapsed. In 1980, two universities blessed them. University of Liverpool in England and, un- and our own University of Wisconsin in Madison. And that these two professors were studying one from rubber and the other one from Bali, very odd places. They extract them and they know right away from better techniques that they were tocotrienol, you know, and then they persisted on the study. They found out first that tocotrienol downregulate and decrease the ability of the body to synthesize cholesterol on hypercholesterolemia thing. And then clearly they show alpha-tocopherol cannot do that. Tocotrienol can. That was the very first time tocotrienol was shown to be distinguished from it ability to function different from tocopherol As an antioxidant, they both do the same, the tocotrino did better. And then I came into the scene as, scene as a young assistant professor at University of Massachusetts then. I decided that the audience need to understand to distinguish it. So now today, you fast-forward to today, there are four tocopherols and four tocotrienols. Simply from the Greek letter alpha, beta, delta, gamma. And of the four tocopherols, alpha tocopherol is the best known. There's synthetic, there's natural. So even natural is questionable how good it is. Synthetic is even worse and when they're so inexpensive uh, to begin with. The tocotrienol is harder to find in nature, you find them. If you ask, oh, if I were to be American eat, eating American food, where do I find trino and how much would I consume in my meal? I know you didn't ask that, but I answered that question. Typically from a normal diet, we'll get probably two to three milligram tocotriino, not a lot. Where do you get it from? A monocot, like uh, <clears throat> uh, avocado, coconut palm oil, but we don't consume a lot of palm oil in this country. And surprisingly, bamanato, which I discovered 25 years ago when I was in South America. What is the difference chemically? The, the, the structure of a vitamin E looks like a sperm. It's got a head, antioxidant, and a long saturated tail. That's tocopherol. And for tocotri, you know, the same antioxidant head, but it's got unsaturated tail. You know, this is really a gift of nature. There are many antioxidants that we have, but very few antioxidants is the one that I consider important, that there's too much noise out there. Like good antioxidant would be acesanthin, resveratrol, EGCG. There are many out there, but Mm -hmm. they don't settle in the biomembranes of our cell to protect the lipid. If you look at the biomembrane, it's got phosphate group and then fatty acid. So the thing that snuck in there perfectly would be looking like a sperm. Just think of it. The head will be antioxidant and then the tail will be saturated. Vitamin E is that kind of molecule. If you look at resveratrol, it's got three, four ring, and then it's got four OH group. So it's got heads everywhere. Nothing sticks in there. It doesn't fit, but tocopherol, tocotrienol fit. And we have done many, many studies for a cell protection and tocotrienol protects, tocopherol protects, it is probably a lipid antioxidant, but tocotrienol does a better job. The difference, just a saturated tail for tocopherol, unsaturated tail for tocotrienol.
0: Interesting. So what you're saying is that the antioxidants like resveratrol and maybe carotenoids and others are not acting within the cell. They can't get in the cell to exert their antioxidant protection against oxidative stress or damage. But these unique nutrients in vitamin yes. E can, and from my understanding, CoQ10 also has this unique benefit of where it can actually work in the cell. Um, and then when these other ones, let's say you take resveratrol, it's not working in the cell. Well, How is it exerting the benefits? Is it just doing so through the bloodstream?
1: Yeah, you mean for for the non-lipid soluble one? Exactly. retrol and quercetin, for example. Curcumin is another one. They have so much OH group. They will be on the surface of the cell wall. So to the extent that the cell wall is signaling something to reduce inflammation, like curcumin, or to the extent that Uh, it is uh, providing antioxidant protection uh, on the cell wall, not inside the cell, on the wall itself, then they would kind of like like, uh, speak with vitamin C as an antioxidant, work that way. But for me, I want to make the language very simple. We have protein in our body to protect. We have fat in our body to protect. And we have a, a nucleic acid in our body to protect. The nucleic acid is inside inside the cell in the Holy of Holy. By the time you get oxidized, it is really bad. You know, you have to cross a cell wall. And then the protein structure, you need protection. And then there'll be more water soluble one, but almost most of the time. When you think of a roadkill in a hot summer day, just think, I know this is a terrible example. You know what I mean? Yeah. That horrible stench is serious oxidized fat, or you have a stick of butter on a hot summer day. So for me, the lowest bar of, of activation of protection is to protect fat. And most of the fat is laden on the cell wall. So if you can protect that, you are providing a propagating ability of the cell for what goes into the cell and what comes out of the cell. That is just so basic and so important. If you can accept that as a definition, then you'll cut the noise out for you when everybody claims their thingy is always an antioxidant. So the antioxidant you want to ask, is it a lipid antioxidant? If you ask that question, you'll get the answer that you will need to protect your health. And you mentioned earlier on CoQ10. Yes, amen to that. CoQ10 is a very strong lipid antioxidant, but there's a difference. In the back here, I know, I don't know if the audience can see that, this is the molecule of CoQ10, super long tail. You see that? Yeah. That that is the antioxidant there. long, long tail. And this is the tocotrienol. So it's able to get into it much shorter because it's cleaner and it's long tail. Because of that, two things spin out of CoQ10. CoQ10 is made by the human body in situ, right at the cell, so it doesn't go anywhere. However, people supplement CoQ10, and supplemental CoQ10, hundreds of companies and more is going to come always claim that the CoQ10 is bioavailable. The flip side of it is simply to say, exogenously fat CoQ10 is very hard to get into the body. That's why people keep saying that, but if they can get 1% to 3% absorbed, that's already a charm. But for tocotrienol, fortunately, the tail is much shorter. If you just take it with a meal, it would just go to the cell. We have many study, Ryan, to show that it protect oxidative damage. And all the way the protection is so good, the C-reactive protein drop. It, When you, I know you're gonna ask some uh, question on the clinical trials. All of this we show for tocotrienol. By the way, on all of this that we show in tocot- tocotrienol, we did not find amazing results from tocopra. They did do some, but usually a distant second, if not a distant third.
0: I love this. And your explanation of how it's helping Mm -hmm. on a lipid level is really foundational. And one of the ways that I always recommend tocotrienol be used is if you are going to be eating, uh, unstable fats. So I recommend people steer clear of, most polyunsaturated fats, you know, these vegetable oils that are really dominant in the American diet. They're used in a lot of restaurant foods. They're used in all fried foods. They're extremely pernicious to our health. I think they are the number one offender of chronic illness from a dietary standpoint, worse than sugar, worse than carbs is these rancid oxidized vegetable oils, canola, soybean, safflower, these highly unstable fats. And whenever someone is going to be eating, let's say some French fries, as Dr. Barry, we're all human. You know, All of us like to enjoy uh, some food once in a while that may not be the best for our health. I always make it a point personally to take tocotrinols with that meal to help mitigate some of the oxidative damage, because that is what causes so much inflammation in our bodies at the cellular level, because these unstable fats start to comprise our cell membranes and start to cause cell misfun- uh, misfiring and essentially inf- an inflammatory response within the cell membrane. And these type of, of vitamin E, the, these tocotrienols, from my understanding can really help to serve as an antioxidant protection when
1: that is the case. Uh, would, you, would you say that's an accurate? Yeah, I, I 100%. Uh, if you try to imagine, this would be uh, the fatty acid, you mentioned unsaturated fatty acid, the phosphate group sticking out in the water, and this is a long tail here. So a polyunsaturated fat, say, they typically would contain uh, three uh, uh, du- double bonds. It'd be one here, one here, and one here. Oftentimes, those double bonds are the ones that be oxidized. So if you have trino you stick right here, not going to be as long. So if it's any oxygen to attack the double bond, it will come and scavenge, meaning to take the oxygen away and making this fatty acid whole. So if you take a lot of polyunsaturated fat, you're going to have this for protection. If you take things that are monounsaturated, say with just only one, like olive oil, oil Mm oleic acid one, then the protection is better. Uh, Because saturated fat, then there'll be no double bond is better. Now, there's always two sides to the coin. We would like to encourage people to take, uh, uh, I know the word polyunsaturated is not used for that but one can also say omega-3 is polyunsaturated. It's got four or even five double bonds, but much longer like that. And they have many good health reasons for doing that. So if one takes fish oil now, good and good, right? You yeah. take fish oil, you you have to take tocotrienol with it. Otherwise, the oxidative damage to the cell would increase because they even have more double uh, double bond. except that kind of polyunsaturated fat is a good kind, as opposed to uh, the the commercial polyunsaturated fat that you mentioned, omega six with two or three double bond, especially alpha linoleic acid like that. Those are not good, you know. With the advent of the last hundred years, there are a lot of this proliferation of uh, unsaturated fat out there. I wh- wholesomely agree with you.
0: Yeah, the, the the high intake of linoleic acid is no bueno, folks, and this tocotrienol is an incredible way like Dr. Berry is suggesting, to prevent any type of oxidation or peroxidation to occur to your precious omega-3s you get from your salmon or from your supplements. And there are people in the health space that advise against omega-3s because of their instability that Dr. Berry's outlining. And I'm with you, Dr. Barry. I'm like, get your omega-3s, but have the antioxidants on board, like the tocotrienols, to prevent them from becoming damaged inside the body so you get the best of both worlds so i'm really glad you touched on that because a lot of people think omega-3s are inherently a godsend for everyone all the time and whatever amounts and if you're not having the proper antioxidants they actually can become problem for some mm-hmm. folks and so that's a really good thing that you outline there so so coming back to some of the food sources so for people that are like all right how do i get this in my diet we're going to touch on the supplements, which is obviously more therapeutic dosages that we can get, mm-hmm. but you said we, we get vitamin E tocotrienols, two to three grams a day from healthy fats like coconut, avocado. I think you said palm fruit oil, uh, which is another kind of similar saturated fat as coconut oil. It's eaten in the tropics and, and it's becoming more popular now than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, is it, isn't there vitamin E? I want you to clarify this. And I think this is tocopherol's. In foods like almonds or uh, even animal fats like butter or ghee,
1: th- doesn't that have vitamin E complex within it? Yes, they, they do. Uh, j- just to uh, correct that, it's not two to three grams. It's two to three milligrams uh, uh, that, that we can get from food like that. And even for tocopherol, this is for the contact. Even if you eat a normal healthy diet, you typically would get about 10 to 15, 10 to 12 milligrams uh, of alpha tocopherol. Because you need to eat a lot of fat to get that, this is where they are. See, that intuitively should be teaching us something. Why does the plant make, but one thing to be clear, I, I like to do this and enunciate this. The plant that we eat and bless our health never make anything for human being. We got it in the head. They don't make, they make it to protect themselves, you know, like that. So, and most of this vitamin E is in the oil. Why is it in the oil? They make the vitamin in the oil to protect the fat. Isn't that a wonderful, that's very intuitive. They make it, and, and including soya, they, we don't want to touch. You can, you have a lot of tocopherol, no, no tocotriano. Corn has, and corn also has the polyunsaturated. We don't like, but anyway, we eat meat and the meat eat corn meal. So you can get small amount of this tocotriano in the meat correct. If you were to eat a, a, a fruit monocot. That means coconut. They can. They are not dicot. They don't break up. They don't look like peanut. They conveniently break into two pieces. It's just like you have to hack it like a coconut to break it because they're monocot. They're one one piece together. Uh, 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 avocado is one. They tend to have. I don't know why the plant makes it that way. So, so if you eat uh, avocado, uh, 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 pistachio is a uh, dicot. Uh, uh, macadamia nut. So you yeah. have that, so, but still, even if you eat all of this, probably you can get to five. <clears throat> if somebody is holistic and wanted to get from a plant source, of course you can get palm oil, uh, saturated fat there. If you want, you can go to a store, Hispanic store to buy anato, and you can use it for your cooking. If you use anato for cooking, just be aware that uh, the food will turn more reddish color. Because of the uh, red color thing, uh, uh, I, I can show you this. Yeah, Anato is actually um, you know used
0: in a lot of uh, food coloring uh, <laughs> yes. products. you know if you wanted to have like an orange or red co- like coloring agent for baking, a lot of them use Anato
1: to get that pigment. And this is an example of a fruit that you see there that yep. is a pigment and the pigment is keratin nothing nothing unusual. So if you use that for cooking, you will include another two to three milligram there. So that would be the food source. Otherwise, in a typical American diet, unless we uh, consume a lot of palm oil or annatto, we usually don't see that. If you ever go to South America, you see that they speckle a lot of this annatto in the different dishes, so. Got it.
0: And what would you say is the optimal dosage based on your clinical data uh, for the human to get in tocotrinols. You mentioned two to three milligrams is typical for someone's standard diet. They might get a little bit more if they focus on those higher food concentrations, but what's kind of the perfect scenario? How much
1: would you take of
0: tocotrienol per
1: day? Okay, I, I like to segment this into, based on a clinical study, uh, three, three, three different situations. I'll begin with the lower one going up, and you can see the severity would increase. For antioxidant protection, like we spent some time talking to the antioxidant protection for the cell wall, is probably somewhere 100 to 200 milligrams, depending on the size uh, of a person. 100 to 200 milligrams is no magic number. Thereabout, uh, each day would be a good antioxidant protection. Just take it with a meal. I just had my lunch, I take it, I took it with a meal. And the second one would be uh, moderate chronic condition. I'm in my 60s, so a moderate chronic condition would be, I have genetic hypercholesterolemia, so uh, full disclosure. So because of that, I take about 300 milligram. So for cr- mo- moderate chronic condition would be anywhere from two to 400 milligram, depending on the size, family history, brother, sister, mother, father, of different things, people can make that judgment. Then for severe conditions, and when I talk about clinical study afterward, I can mention examples of severe condition, then it'll be more like 400 to 500, 400 to, yeah, 400 to 500 milligram like that of, of overt conditions that people already have. So if a person have no condition or anything like that, healthy, uh, energetic then it will be just antioxidant protection. One to 200 milligram will be fine because they're strong exercising. They just want it to be. So if it's strongly exercising, you're consuming a lot of oxygen for exchanges. So that would be just antioxidant protection to prevent the radical oxygen to capture free radical that you want to get rid of. Then one to 200 milligram would be just fine. Have you seen
0: with your genetic predisposition to high cholesterol, have you seen your cholesterol come down since you've started
1: taking higher amounts of tocotrienols? Good good question, I have. And when I, when I, when I took it, in a, just for the context, in a clinical study, we found that the tocotrienol typically anywhere from two to 300 milligrams, the cholesterol dropped uh, 15 to 20%, as opposed to a statin drug, typically 40 to 50%, that's a drug. And this is 15 to 20%. In my case, it's more like five to 10%. And then I did some genetic testing because I have genetic hypercholesterolemia. So it did not drop as it would be had I eat a lot of hamburgers and fats. See, I get cholesterol increased. there. That's not genetic dietary, you know, but mine is not dietary genetic. So the drop is not as dramatic, but I still, then I say, oh, then in that case, why did you continue to take? People ask me that question. I continue to take for the second, the other reason. I continue to take because tocotrienol is an antioxidant. Even though my LDL is high, I do not want my LDL to be oxidized. They say that LDL is potentially atherogenic, but oxidized LDL is atherogenic, so it prevents it from oxidation for that reason. Then I have another marker. I asked the doctor, please look at my C-reactive protein because I want to know if my inflammation is in control. So happy to say uh, uh, over the years I've, take, I've taken tocotrienol, my CRP is, le- is one or less than one. So my inflammation is uh, uh, in check. So I'm pleased to hear that because half the people that have a, a heart, heart problem are caused by cholesterol. The other half is by inflammation. So that's the two imbalance. So it is good for me to know the inflammation. Toco try not address uh, hyperinflammation. I'm glad
0: you made that distinction because a lot of people think inherently high LDL is not good, and that's going to increase your chances for heart disease or cardiovascular complications. But like you said, I've found the same thing to be true. It's not just high LDL. It's high oxidized LDL that can start to become problematic and keeping your LDL from oxidizing, you need these antioxidants like tocotrinol. So it's something I utilize clinically all the time with, with people I work with, because it's just such a powerful intervention for anyone that does have high cholesterol. Have you seen it have any impact on
1: triglycerides? Oh, New touching a sweet spot for me, <laughs> and 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 this is true. Not everything in life is very intentional, and the 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 cholesterol one was intentional because of the published work from other professors in other university. So when we were doing uh, studying with people with hypercholesterolemia, they are not otherwise with high triglyceride. But I noticed that the the cholesterol we can predict, but then the triglyceride drop. But they are not people with fatty liver disease, metabolic syndrome. And then I said, hey, the, the triglyceride drug. So I asked the professor, would you be kind enough to conduct a study for me for people with metabolic syndrome and look at the triglyceride? So so for the audience, for your audience, I, I, this is a teaching moment, and, and 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 this is not like I'm so fantastic and know so much. You know, I learn as I go along. I have been a member of the American Diabetes Association for almost 30 years. It's a long time. So th- this is a, once you get this concept, you just got it and then you just nail it down. And I happened to meet the professor, Gerald reeven before he retired and now he passed away. He was the one that came up with the original concept of uh, sugar, fat, and another thing in our body. And he could not figure it out. He called it syndrome act. When he figured it out, then he he changed the word, dropped the word X and become metabolic syndrome. And metabolic syndrome is simply this. Hypertriglyceridemia always precedes hyperglycemia. So that means high triglyceride always precedes high sugar. So before somebody is diabetic, they are pre-diabetic. In the pre-diabetic state, the sugar is still a little bit normal high, but not high enough to be diabetic, the triglyceride is high. Of course, if they're diabetic, the sugar is high, the triglyceride is also high. I mean, it's something to be said that something is wrong with our metabolism, and the triglyceride goes up first, and it's kind of like controlling the sugar until the flood dam bursts open, and it can't control the triglyceride, and then the sugar just shoots up. So therefore, it is very good telltale sign for all of our listeners, including me. We don't wait until our sugar to go up first. We check our triglyceride. Happy news. When we did the study on people with a, a, a metabolic syndrome, we saw that the triglyceride dropped. So right now, I fast forward all the clinical trials on this that we have studied. This is a fantastic take home. Uh, we t- we study people with uh, pre-diabetes, triglyceride high, the triglyceride drop. We study people with diabetes, the triglyceride is also high, the sugar is also high, the triglyceride drop. So encouraged by this, therefore, it works for people with metabolic syndrome. So encouraged, we decided to be all out. After this, I think that I spent every last penny to do all the clinical study. We now have completed three clinical trials on people with fatty liver disease. Clearly, 20 to 25 percent American are fatty liver. And fatty liver disease is another manifestation uh, of metabolic syndrome, except when the liver is fatty, there is no cure for fatty liver. And, and t- 30 years ago, cirrhotic liver is because of alcohol, excessive alcohol drinking. I wouldn't, nobody then would have believed that if you gavage a huge, endless amount of fat, you can actually inundate the liver ability to process the fat and the liver become fatty and fatty liver disease. And the name of NAFLD is non alcoholic fatty liver disease. I have never seen a disease so awkwardly and so long, so that they have to explicitly tell you this is non alcohol fatty liver disease like that. So we did this, uh, Ryan. We did it a three month study, a six month study published, and then now we just completed a 12 month study. What is the shorthand news of this? Systematically, we saw that the, the inflammation is reduced, liver enzymes is decreased, steatosis, which is the fat in the liver, is also reduced, and finally, the last one is a bad one, if you have fibrosis. When it's too much fat in the liver, you have scarring tissue. Once mm. the scarring tissue sets in, it's very hard to remove the scarring tissue, so this is, Good. We're hoping that after the study is published, keeping my fingers crossed, we're going to take all this study to the FDA. We trust the FDA would allow, I'm just shooting for the moon now, FDA to allow, to, to allow us to have a structural function claim. I'm doing all the studies that I can to prove this. This is far away from snake oil. And if they allow, then I may just have one line on the bottle that say this will support liver health something like this, but but the audience can Google and find the studies on the internet. So give me another six months when the study is published, I would love the audience to go and read the study themselves. But for me, this is a blessing. It's a long time in the making.
0: I love that, I love that, man. And let me tell you a couple other things for the fatty liver because I have a lot of experience helping people reverse fatty liver. One is the tocotrienols, love using vitamin E complex for fatty liver. But the other two things that I've seen work wonders, Dr. Berry, and this is something you can take note of if you haven't implemented this before. One is lecithin. Uh, A good non-GMO lecithin is fantastic because of the phospholipids, the phosphatidylcholine and phosphatidylserine, as well as the uh, fat emulsifying properties of lecithin uh, can be very therapeutic for breaking up fatty deposits in the liver. And then the other thing that really helps once you're in later stage, when you start to develop the fibrosis is systemic enzymes, bringing in a good proteolytic enzyme complex. I really like one called Vitalzyme that incorporates things like seropeptase and other systemic enzymes can help to break down that fibrosis and actually reverse that uh, later stage, which like you said, is very difficult and many um, Western medicine physicians will say like at that point it's too far gone, but it can absolutely be uh, improved upon utilizing those types of interventions so i'm a big fan of those two in conjunction with the tocotrinols.
1: Wow, thank thank you for that. I'm making note for this because if I get a chance to continue the next study, I may uh, uh, tap on your brain and you can help me so I can do a study with inclusion of the other to see if one plus one or one plus two uh, would uh, even able to increase further. I did not know this. So thank you very much. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And so co- coming back to uh, the tocotrinolstecoferol, something
0: I've learned I want to run by you that I think is important for listeners to be aware of. I've heard that you can't take tocotri or you shouldn't. You shouldn't take tocotrienols with tocopherols because they will compete for absorption and it can diminish the uptake of the tocotrienols if you have, let's say, a vitamin E product, a complex that has both in
1: there. Is that accurate? That is accurate. Thank you. This is a more difficult concept to communicate. And I have t- spoken to many homeopathic uh, doctors and other people before. Because the vitamin E, is a spectrum, photocarphal and photocotrienol. And in life, we usually think that if you make one compound, then it's allopathic. It suggests that kind of concept. But if you have it all mixed, then it is a, a spectrum. Then nature should do better. I don't, in principle, disagree uh, like that. But the, if one accepts that there is a possibility of synergism, when you have what nature can make like polyphenol and uh, carotenoids is another class, and vitamin K is another class. If you accept the premise of synergism, all thinking person should also accept the premise of antagonism. Usually we don't think about that. And right now, this is not setting uh, uh, any precedent. When we were doing this, I, I painfully spent 10 years before I discovered this we were doing work that have a mixture of tocopherol and tocotrienol, and in animal study that worked. So when we get to do human study, roughly speaking, 45% of our trials worked, 55%, no, 45% of our trials didn't work. And 55% of our trial worked, a little bit more tip in the balance, if we half work, half not work, that's not the kind of odds that we want. And I said, how come it, it worked like that? So we stopped all our clinical trial, We went back to animal study with the suspicion that the alpha-tocopherol and you know what we did? We used this amount of tocotrienol to, di- to do the animal study. We have to stop the clinical trial and then it worked to lower cholesterol. Then in another group, we used the same amount of tocotrienol with 20- 25% uh, alpha-tocopherol and then the, the reducing of the uh, 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 the cholesterol is less by 30% and then we used 50% Then it less a little bit more. We use 75%. It almost comes to not reducing. Then we realize there is an antagonism. So later we found in the study, unlike all the other vitamin E, alpha-tocopherol has a transport protein. What does a transport protein mean? In the evolution of time, alpha-tocopherol has a chaperone. So if you take alpha copper, it goes right in. All the other ingredients we have, if it doesn't have a transport protein, it just goes through by passive diffusion, like I suggested to people to take fat so they'll absorb like that, like you mentioned lecithin, like that. But a few compounds that are critical to the human body in the evolution of time you have. What we another not example, vitamin A, retinol. If you take beta-carotene that converts to vitamin A, it would be naive to automatically say the vitamin A would go to the eye and will be part of our option. And of course, we can see that it does go to the eye <laughs> like that. And it go to the retinal of the eye. It's super highly specific. It's because we have a retinal bound protein that delivers and ensures chaperone to the eye. Alpha-tocopherol has that chaperone. None of the other tocopherol and tocotrienol have. So you take tocopherol with tocotrienol mix, everything stops and the tocopherol go. So if you take tocotrienol with alpha tocopherol, it will block the tocotrienol absorption. So now fast forward to today. Now with tocotrienol with all this function and alpha tocopherol cannot share, I last want to take alpha-tocopher with tocotrienol, if I want to see the benefit of tocotrienol. We have repeated this in many animal studies, have shown now for cholesterol reduction, have shown now for cancer reduction. The cancer reduction was very dramatic. When we have tocopher, the tocotrienol simply cannot kill the cancer cell. So so we stay clear from that. If you go online to look at all the cancer trials that use tocotrienol, read carefully. They say that an exclusion criteria would be people that take alpha-tocopher. They don't even explain. If you take alpha-tocopher, they're excluded from the study. They don't want them to be confounding factor to the positive study of the tocotrienol.
0: That's fascinating. Now, on the topic of the tocotrienols, so the one that I've been recommending for years to people is made by a company called AC Grace. It's called Unique E Tocotrienols, and they are using 90% delta and 10% gamma. And when I was looking at your, uh, from my understanding, you, you're responsible or at least played a role in this uh, delta gold, uh, which is also a trinol and seems to use a similar composition of 90% delta and 10% gamma. And I'm curious if you could, you know, why that is the case, why you don't include alpha or beta tocotrienol in this formula.
1: Okay, first I answer your first part first. We are primarily manufactured, thanks to goodness that I discovered this plant 25 years ago in Massachusetts. We do not make it in another country. We made it right here in one of the most tax expensive <laughs> country in the United States, we make it. and I think to the benefit of the audience, we have FDA come to accredit our place. Very grateful for that. We do not use chemical. We do not use solvent you know, it's the best thing that I can possibly do. So we do this. So we are bulk ingredient supplier. And you mentioned AC Grace, and they use our material. So if you buy AC Grace, it's our material. You go on a website, there are many other companies. A company I greatly respect would be Designs for Health. They Mm -hmm. are clearly top-notch in this, Mm -hmm. and they move a lot of this compound, and they got it from us here. So your second question is, why don't we try, why don't we add alpha and beta know, and then they will still be tocoprol free. The reason we, before we got into this anato, people have used alpha-tocotrieno, beta-tocotrieno, gamma and delta-tocotrieno. Delta so they're fully uh, uh, differentiated. They did it, they used each of them and all the studies that they have done and, and I'm not kidding you. This, and this is before I even discovered the ANATO. And the rank order is this activity. Delta-tocotrienol is usually 50% or better than gamma-tocotrienol, which is almost 10 times more potent than, than alpha-tocotrienol. And in turn, and, uh, uh, beta-tocotrienol that is not active. That is what other people have found. This before I even, so there's no hanky-panky there. This is before <laughs> I even made my discovery. So when I discovered this anato you know, and it's 90% Delta and 10% Gamma, my goodness, this is a nutritional, this is a, a from the plant. So if, if it is going to do something, this, good, this is going to be the best. In fact, when I found it, I immediately called the father of Trino. He's in his 80s now. I call him. He said, Asaf, I found this thing. And you know what he told me? He said, Barry, I've given my, he gave his life even longer than I did. If tocotrienol were to go after cancer and would go after lipidemia, anato Trino as is, better do. And if it is not, then we are, of all people most pity because we gave our time to this. That was when I told him, I'm all in, man. You designed for me a clinical trial to do this, and let's see where the dice fall. And then he did. That was in, in the mid 1990s. And ever since then, we now have about a 10 to 15 clinical trials. I this is truly blessings from above. We systematically study this, and every time when we have compared with any other mixture, we we did not do any better. With one exception, and I will be honest with you, this is from University of Southern Florida. The professor has a National Cancer Institute grant, NCI, the world-famous NIH NCI, He got my delta to he got my anato toco trieno. He asked that if I can purify the delta toco triinol, remove the gamma toco trieno. I was very resistant to remove because it's good anyway. To give him the delta, he said, I'll give it to you because we're doing R and D. Fine. He did, and then when he did, the delta was again. 100% 100% better, more efficient than Gamma. So now he got that 100% is no big deal. I want to stay the same. So then he got $5 million NCI grant to do the research. And now he, of course, he did it on human being. And it uh, it killed the cancer cell of the pancreas, the deadliest of all cancer. He got a Renew grant. So if he got a Renew new grant, he said, Dr. Tan, I cannot use your nato Toco Triano. They'll reneck the grant. He said, whoa, I don't want you, your grant to be renecked. He said, I will give you the Delta Toco Triano. It's just too bad, you know? So I asked him, Can you finagle the bagel, have another arm of that nato Toco Triano? Mm-hmm. He's not sure just yet. So I'm going to get, but by the way, if the audience hear this, even if he got the Delta Toco Triano, which we make for him from Anato, it simply just means that if we, the 10% of the gamma tocotrienol is removed. So 90% is still the real McCoy. <laughs> so, so it's almost a drug, you know? So, but we, we also try to be careful. If we purified and just have delta tocotrienol, it may sound like a good news, right? But it isn't. What if the FDA knock on my door and said, Dr. Tan, we understand that delta tocotrienol is a powerful drug. You should sell this as a drug. Why well, sound good? If you flip it, then it's a hey. We don't want ninety percent of what you have is a drug. See, if that come across to me as a threat, then I may be closed. So I'm doing just fine to keep this. But if other people publish what they do, it's fine. I cannot block other people. So truth be told, we are supporting University of Southern Florida to do what their research told that if that works. I don't know where that's going to go. They're going to go somewhere with that. I'm fine. While we're at this, time may not allow you, but I'll say this. Thanks to the kingdom of Denmark, and I think that in life, not everything comes from me. They saw the value of an adult And I just spoke with the professor this morning. They have eight clinical trials, eight funded by the Danish government. Would you imagine that? Denmark is a much smaller country, super wealthy, of course. (laughs) They are are a rich socialist state like that. They're conducting eight clinical trials. The cancers are ovarian, breast, lung, and colon cancer, eight trials. If that trials yield results, that would be very exciting news for us. So, so far, ovarian cancer proved very positive. They have very high dose. Why so high dose? Because they're stage four cancer patients which have no existing option. So he said, let's use the highest dose that have no side effects. So at 900 milligrams per day, no side effects. And they saw the reduction of uh, the increase of survival of the people that have no more option. So we'll see in the next year what, a result would yield, I probably will never get FDA approval for the audience benefit, get FDA approval for anything such as this, like a medicine. Just a slim possibility, if the result continued to prove positive and they publish the work, just maybe under the Compassionate Care Act of Congress, when there are no options available, if Under a Compassionate Care Act, people may be allowed to do this, but that still requires the FDA to rubber stamp it. So if I can do that, I I will be happy as a decent human being to provide something when there are no options available. But but most of our applications are not so severe, right? So I want the audience to know this. You can Google if the study is published, you will know exactly what happened. Give me one year, the results should be out.
0: Oh Yeah, that's, in, that's incredible on the anti-cancer effects of the tocotrienol because what, what I mentioned at the very beginning of this interview, one of my mentors, David Getoff, really taught me about vitamin E and lots of other things. And he taught me the importance of high-dose tocotrienols as a foundational element to an anti-cancer reg- regimen. For anyone he's working with with cancer, he has them on 750 milligrams of, of tocotrienol daily is a really powerful just one of many things he's doing mm-hmm. you know with yes. immune support and detoxification and, and a lot of other things but it's a really foundational element and so it's something I've incorporated mm-hmm. with people I work with uh, and just find it to be really useful and the FDA yeah uh, I hope they don't come knocking on your door Dr. Barry they tend to they tend to do what's not in the best interest of our public many times because making this a drug would, would make things a lot more difficult for you and everyone else to get access to this really, this truly, truly this medicine, uh, that I think is better as just a supplement because that mm-hmm. makes it a lot easier to provide and to get access to people. Um, and, and so as we wrap up, I want to talk about GG. Uh, mm-hmm. this is a nutrient that I want you to explain what it is from my understanding. It's also from the Inato plant. And then I want to explain a little bit about, you know, how people can get access to this this really rare nutrient and some of the benefits it has.
1: I know the audience, this is not video. This is a structure of GG. If you look, it's got black and white. Those are carbon and hydrogen and oxygen group here. And the oxygen group here is not on a phenolic ring. So it's not an antioxidant. Now, <clears throat> GG is something the plant and the animal make, including human beings. This is almost prophetic is the last common step between an animal and a plant. Those are very different genuses of animal and plant. In the plant, the plant used GG, listen good on this. This is actually what the biochemistry is. The plant used GG to make just about all the polyphenolic that you know. <laughs> Then you say, name some. I'll name one that are common. All the carotenoids, carotene, you just mumble any carotenoid, lutein, zeaxanthin, beta-carotene, azazanthin, they have two GG. One on here and one on the other side. Then you'll be 40 carbon. That's the beginning starting point of carotenoid. And all the vitamin E like that. I'll leave that for now because people are interested in the animal In the animal, GG primarily is used for making skeletal muscle protein. Ladies and gentlemen, that is 40% of the weight of a human being is skeletal muscle. If you don't think about drug as we go older, what is the common thing we notice? We begin to have sarcopenia and loss of muscle mass, a big deal. And think of your elderly parent. And then if you take statin drug, you have myopathy. Why? When you take statin drug to lower cholesterol, that same pathway to lower cholesterol, lower GG, and when you lower GG, that's why you have myopathy. But yeah. to our audience, the audience think that, wait a minute, the, uh, Dr. Tan, he said, when, when people take statin drug, uh, they know that CoQ10 drug, voila, yeah. that yeah. is true. You know yeah. why? Because in the human body, CoQ10 requires GG for the synthesis of Ubiquinone. That's it. So therefore, in the, anim- in the animal, you need this molecule for making CoQ10 and skeletal muscle too. And then let me tell you the third one. I'm doing this purposely to joke your attention because your audience is probably very understanding of nutritional supplement. Everybody in our industry now is beginning to hear about Menloquinone, Menloquinone like that. And it's fermentation in the gut. And usually it's MK4, Menloquinone 7. Yeah. I want to direct your audience attention. Another one. If you got this, you will be blessed and I will be blessed. The most important Menloquinone in the human body is not MK7. It's MK4. Why? MK4 is the only menoquinone synthesized inside your body. MK7, 8, 9, and all the other longer one is in the fermentation in the gut. But MK4 is not fermented and is synthesized in the human body. And I hope the Japanese professor that labor on this for so long, they will be nominated for the Nobel Prize. Let me tell you this. I'll take one minute and i explain to you. This and is so stunning for me. And quick,
0: quick uh, tip for people listening in, what Dr. Barry's referring to is vitamin K. So when you buy vitamin K, it comes in different forms, MK4, MK7. And there's MK7 is probably the most common one you'll see in supplements. And what you're saying is MK4 is the form of vitamin K that you
1: want. And that's K2, correct? Yes, that is K2. Now, when you, when you and I take a lot of green leafy vegetable, people said that you have vitamin K1, that is phylloquinone. the tail is saturated, it almost is analogous to tocotrite, the tail is saturated, but surprisingly, when you get to the gut, uh, if we have hemiostasis, a certain amount of vitamin K1 go in. You know, people not, uh, uh, not thought to this more, If all the vitamin K1 you take goes in, you know what happened, which vegan people do. Then you know, vitamin K1 is for clotting. If that all of them goes in, then all vegan will clot to death. Mm. That never happened. So just Mm. think about it. We we consume a lot of, of vegetable, but a fixed amount of vitamin K1 going good. Where do the other vitamin K go? The tail is cut off and the ring goes in. Evolution, the ring goes in. And when it goes, the tail that has been cut off for of K1 is saturated. The tail going, in. Listen to this. This is, just, this is just, for me, it's a pure blessing. It look for a GG molecule. Remember, GG is making the human body. Remember, it synthesizes coQ10 skeletal muscle. They have shown this in 25 to 30 different organs. You look for GG and stitch that onto the ring uh, of, the, of the vitamin K1. And when you do that, that is MK four. So therefore, MK four is found all over the body. We do not know all the reason why we need MK four, but to date, you can Google. To date, we know MK four helps in the phosphorylation for energy. MK four helps in uh, 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 autism spectrum. And MK4 help in making strong bone and anti-arteriosclerosis like that. And in Japan, MK4 is a drug, not MK7. But popularly in the U.S., we know about MK7 doing all this. So for the audience, I just would appeal to you. As we age, we don't make enough GG. That is the reason why we don't make enough CoQ10, by the way, because when we don't make enough GG, and therefore CoQ10 drug, and therefore we have sarcopenia and this. And if you take statin drug, you make it even worse. Way worse. Way, way worse. So so when, you, when we have less MK4, you, know, you and I don't know enough yet, but in time, people will find out more what MK4 does. All that will harken back to... The real issue is not enough GG for which your body and my body make, just make less with time. So if we, and this is a time, a small American company, me, made in Massachusetts, the first in the world, extracted from a plant. So as we age, we are now conducting a study. Listen this carefully. In Texas, we're conducting a study. Under the cardiologist's care, people who are taking satin, with confirmed myopathy. One group we continues, the other one, they have GG, they're on a treadmill to see if the muscle pain is reduced. If it is, that will reduce output. That's a study we're now doing. And then we'll do other animal study to prove more points on the MK4 first before we do a clinical trial. So I know that we need another time to do another a- another interview. But So give me another year, I will then embrace this. But until then, I told the audience, and I have to be honest with you, because my doctor say that, it said, that Dr. Tan, your cholesterol is over the top. He said that I worry about your arteriosclerosis, so I'm taking statin drug. And then I, I take a small amount, 150 milligrams of GG. And then today, thank goodness, I do not have any muscle problem in my trunk. Note So I'm happy with that. My liver enzyme is in control. So I'm continuing that until I learn uh, more on other things. So thank you so much.
0: Yeah. So anyone listening to this who takes that statin, share this with your physician, because there's so many people, Dr. Doctor Barry, who come to me for help, who are on a statin. And they're like, all right, my doctor said a low dose statin has no problems, no side effects, no issues. And I'm like, really? Because there's a lot of research demonstrating otherwise. And you need to be replenishing with GG, CoQ10, and really watching what your body's missing and what that statin drug is depleting. Mm -hmm. And I'm surprised to even hear you take a statin because it seems like with docotrinols, the GG, healthy lifestyle, healthy diet, despite the predisposition to high cholesterol, it seems like you would be at very low risk uh, even if you have high LDL because you're preventing
1: that LDL from becoming oxidized. So it seems yeah. like you, you wouldn't Thank even need you. the statin. Thank you for that. I, I plan to talk to my cardiologist in the next meeting to either titrate my dose down or eliminate it. So I plan to talk with him on that. So it's coming, it's coming.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right, I like it, I like it. Well, this has been great, Dr. Barry. There's lots we could dive into. I want to close with a couple things on GG. First, can
1: you tell people listening in the full name? of this compound? Oh, yes. GG uh, is short for gyranil, gyronol I can spell it out to you. G-E-R-A-N-Y-L, like an adjective, and then G-E-R-A-N-I-O-L. So if you Google gyranil, gyranol, you will probably, uh, 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 find other people studying on it. Most of the study on GG have been on something related to skeletal muscle protein, most of it like that. And then if you look at some Japanese scientists, that's when you see the MK4. And if you look at some even older literature, you will see that GG is required for for CoQ10 synthesis.
0: I wonder, do you know anything about if GG would be helpful for conditions like uh, muscular dystrophy or rhabdomyolysis where people have extreme breakdown of their muscle tissue?
1: I... I have not read any studies like that, but I would say GG and reptomyolysis, that would be an obvious one that they'd have muscular problems, some like muscular dystrophy. But I don't think I've seen specific study like that, but I've seen related to that. When we have a not used muscle for a long time, we have atrophy of the yeah. muscle yeah. and then that marker is called atrogen. So when you add GG, the atrogen would drop. When the atrogen goes up, then the atrophy increase. But when they add GG, the atrogen drop, and then uh, the atrophy decrease. they have shown that. They have also shown in animal study, when they give them GG, it increased the muscle power and muscle force. So i oh, interesting looking so, forward to doing that study in yeah. time to, I know there's so many things to talk that, about but
0: that's not
1: quite there yet <laughs>
0: that's something that would motivate a lot of my listeners because what you're saying is that GG prevents or rather slows down muscle atrophy so if you are unable to train whether it's because you're on vacation or because you have an injury you can't hit the gym taking GG will help prevent or slow your muscle breakdown And then what you're saying too, is it's a performance benefit. So it actually helps you grow muscle more effectively to get stronger and have better performance with your training, which is of great interest to a lot of people, especially something like GG that has so many other positive attributions to your overall health and longevity. So this is something I'm going to be incorporating into my supplement regimen for sure. And you make, uh, did you produce a GG Coupled with CoQ10 product, right? Is this something that you sell, Dr. Barry? Is this something that yeah. you can recommend? If
1: you, go, if you go online and uh, uh, look at the word Duoquinol, like two, D-U-O-Q-U-I-N-O-L, it's a combination of GG and, and the active form uh, of CoQ10 called ubiquinol. We make that. If you can, if you want to download technical papers that we have written, you go to AmericanRiverNutrition.com or you simply just type my name, Barry Tan. It probably will lead you there. And then you can download the GG Scientific Paper, Technical Paper. I wrote one there. And then the TOCO Trienol, and then the DuoQinol. I I clearly differentiate what these uh, three components. We don't do anything else. This is it. This is all we do, and then we study them uh, systematically, and then when there are clinical trials that are produced, we let people know about the clinical trial. I know you're gonna sign up very soon, but let me add that component because you meant, I did not know until you told me now, a lot of your uh, uh, people uh, follow you, exercise is important to them. The Japanese scientists discovered when they gave animal GG, the testosterone, endogenous testosterone increase. So therefore we are now conducting a clinical trial in Florida, giving people GG to see if the endogenous testosterone would increase a lot better than giving people directly testosterone. And then like that, and among other things, I, 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 because of my age, I shy away from this like that. They're gonna measure to see if the libido increase, the mm-hmm. exercise performance increase, when would we expect the result? The second half of this year, we would know. So that study is ongoing. And, and for, the, for, for the audience, why am I doing this? I'm doing this to know if GG does this, can you show, that's why we are doing the research to, to show that if it does, if and when it become available, we will certainly disclose the data. So be in contact with me about half a year from now, we'll let you know where we are on these kind of trials.
0: I'll definitely have you back on the show, Dr. Barry. And that's fascinating. GG potentially increasing testosterone and muscle performance, uh, decreasing muscle loss. That's of a lot of interest to a lot of people. So you're awesome, dude. I really appreciate you coming on the show. This has been great. And I'll definitely stay in touch for people that are listening in that want to learn more about Dr. Barry's work. You can go to BarryTan.com. You can find him on social media, his uh, Instagram and Facebook is Dr. Barry Tan, all spelled out, D-O-C-T-O-R, Barry Tan. And dude, really appreciate your time today, man. Thank you so
1: much. Have a great week.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you found it helpful, please share it along to anyone else you believe it can serve. You can submit your own question to be answered on the show by going to ryankennedyhealth.com forward slash podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review for the show. Your feedback helps to support me on my mission to positively impact as many people as possible with this information. Please note the information depicted in this episode is purely for informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional before making any changes to your lifestyle or routine.